that's not live. So today's Dharma talk is uh, titled Why Shikantaza. Shikantaza translates out of the Japanese as just precisely this. And of course, you so why? Why do that kind of meditation? Why not do uh, a shine and laktong? Or why not do uh, creation completion practices, visualization? Why not do mantras? Why not do a lot of walking meditation in the forest with all your little friends? The rabbits, the ducks, and so on. Why? Why do that? Why why sit down, hold still, and just observe? Why do that? So I've had uh, experience, I haven't done every meditation there is, but I've done a lot of them pretty extensively. Some of them are very, very time consuming, and uh, I'm not against those. I'm not particularly for or against, other than I am very much for shikantaza. And I'm not teaching out of what I was taught directly. I'm teach I am teaching out of what I was taught directly to look at. And that's what I've been doing. So that's where this teaching comes from. I'm not saying there aren't any Zen, other Zen teachers or uh, Tibetan lineages, uh, lamas and so on, that might have something that might align more with what you want to do with your life as far as a meditator. So I'm not trying to convince you or say this works better. But if you're listening to me, why Shikantaza? Why just precisely this? To start with, you can't do that. And so it is about observing that you cannot. It's about observing the failure, not about training your mind to be more mindful so you can get some kind of a conclusion that finally I'm so aware, I'm so mindful. You know, I used to be really, give myself a hard time, used to be uh, this and this and that, but I finally settled on it, finally at peace. And you'll, you know, uh, as I've said before, People around you that know that you've been meditating for 20 years wonder why you even get flustered with anything because they assume that anyone who meditates that much is going to be at peace and at rest and maybe even have a gold leaf all over them. It's much more rough and rugged and it's much more realistic than that. It's much more actual. It's actual. So why, why sit down and hold still? Why sit symmetrical? Because the mind is quite chaotic and very asymmetrical in our experience. I'm not saying it's actually asymmetrical. I'm saying in our experience, it's we're going over here, we're thinking about that, we're worried about this, and then we just about get that solved, and then some other aspect of our karma dumps on us or and then the self-centered mind, the ego mind comes up against that or for that or ignores that, passion, aggression, and ignorance. And you cannot, you cannot correct that. You can't fix that. You can't just suddenly become serene and sublime and peaceful because there isn't anyone. There isn't a solid being. Your experience, I don't care how subjective and how much you think that you have your own little idea about who you are and little secrets you keep to yourself from others because you don't want anybody to know how really difficult it is for you. So why Shikantaza? Shikantaza 
is a way. It's a very simple approach, technique, um, method, any kind of word you want to use. And it is going to show up differently for each person. Everyone here who's uh, listening to this uh, Dharma talk will, their, their sitting practice is going to be quite a bit different than the other, the person next to you or someone else in the Sangha, even if you've both been meditating for 20 years. Length of time means something, but not that much. So why do this? Why not do a kind of meditation where you follow the breath, label thinking, and then when you, uh, when you have thoughts arise and return to the breath, why not try to make some kind of stability happen? You could. Maybe that will make more sense to you. I sometimes, depending on what's happening with a person, I might even recommend they do some practices like that for a while. So I'll try to go into this uh, in a kind of a generic way, and hopefully there will be questions about your specific, uh, what, challenges or misunderstandings or, or understandings, what have you. And I would say that in order to find, in order to get to know yourself, in order to find out what, why your ears are this shape, why, how you've been able to retract your horns so nobody can see them, even though you know you are a devil. You know what I'm talking about. It's not a joke. And I'm not accusing you of anything. You need to look at that area. And when you look at it, don't accept it, don't reject it, don't look away. And the only way you can not accept it, not reject it, and not look away is to be persistent about it. Actually go in and continue to look. And then the awareness becomes how much you keep pushing on it. The awareness becomes how much you keep pulling on it. The awareness becomes how much you keep distracting yourself or you just don't want it. The whole path seems to be uh, filled with those uh, various uh, containments, elaborations, justifications, validations, and analysis. And it is not about stopping any of that. Very seductive to think, well, if I see this so clearly, maybe I can just meditate it away. Don't get rid of anything. The fundamental insight, the fundamental nature is that nothing is separate from anything else. It's pretty good news to know that you don't have to be somebody else. You get to be exactly who you are. That might be a little challenging because some of who you are, if seen when we start to look deeply into that area, is uh, can be very distasteful or could be embarrassing. What if other people found out about that? What if my teacher knew about that? Your teacher may already know about that, but she just won't tell you that because it's up to you to see it. She won't take your wisdom away from you by pointing out your faults. Cheers, I'm buying. So it's, go ahead, please. I just had a couple of questions about what you said with um, just chicken taza. You have some students practicing some other paths, not paths, but, you know, like astrology or um, deep consciousness or anything like that. So how do you include those practices in the context of the awareness practice? Following? The most important thing you can do is shikantaza. 
I mean, it, I'm not doing away for with, with anything else. I'm just trying to meet people where they're at. It's going to show up different ways. And so the most important thing you can do are your practices. Sit down, hold still, look at the wall or look at the floor or look at a tree stump. Look at something that is generally specifically uh, not moving so that you can have the eye consciousness can be open and unreceived, but not much too much is happening the same way you would not uh, crank your stereo up uh, to listen to uh, music while you're meditating. Not about feeling better. That, that's not a conclusion that's particularly uh, good. So more specific questions. It doesn't, it doesn't look like it's that confusing to me. Astrology is astrology. Uh, deep consciousness is deep is another way of working with the consciousness. If someone is having that, their particular process uh, is showing up in that way. But uh, if someone else is not, I'm not recommending anybody study astrology. I say, if you want to, go ahead. You can actually do that in the monastery. More? I'm just wondering about a lot of these practices seem to be trying to answer why instead of what. So I'm just wondering if there's a way to bring the what into the why practice. Sit a lot because astrology is very seductive. It's many, many centuries, many centuries of bringing together the, the, the symbolic interpretation of cyclic movement. Uh, into the mind stream and the mind stream just delights in this kind of stuff because finally I got something. Finally, I know that if the sun is in, in an earth sign and, and, the, and the moon is in a water sign and the angles between those are this or that or whatever, you know, you can come to conclusions about it. The whole thing is made up for that kind of thing. It reinforces the self-centeredness without a stop, without a sitting practice. It might be a pretty sophisticated self-centeredness that really understands uh, different dynamics that are going on there. But understanding the dynamic that's going on and naming it or, or describing it or something is not realization. It's not insight. It's concepts. Even the, even the, the um, whatever line of concepts you come up with, provisional teachings, all of those are concepts right up to the edge of the cliff. This is, a, this is a spiritual path. It's not a path of gathering information so you know stuff, either about yourself or about anybody, anybody else. It's going to have some of that going on, but the main focus is for you, if you're listening to me, for you to see directly when you're walking down the hallway in your house and you're looking out the window uh, to see nothing else. It has an experiential quality to it, but it's not an experience that you can gather or store or have a, a suitcase full of it. It's immediate. It's direct perception all the time from now on until this body goes back into the elements. And it's through the eyes, ears, nose, tongue, body, mind, it's through everything. It's happening all at once. And there's not even a conclusion that nothing is separate. That's just a teaching device. If you see nothing is separate, then there's no comment. So the, uh, the astrology situation, or we're going to do other things. We're going to do the I Ching. We're going to do some numerology. We're, I think we, I, I tried to start up uh, one with um, the uh, um, Enneagram. I think I was trying to get Shoka to study that so that there could be some kind of a class on that. But that never came about. People have studied it a little bit, but it, it never showed up as a 
people get together and talk about the Enneagram. It's a valid archetypal kind of construct that uh, what, this, what these different things do is give you an idea all the different ways that things can manifest and make some kind of what relative sense relatively relative sense, but they're not ultimate. But more about that, Chaitan, that's a, those are good questions. Chaitan, following like for a while, you had me looking at the I Ching. And so you're asking a question and you're looking for an answer, but it, mm -hmm. it seems that if you're coming through this from an awareness practice, you can't actually know something that's so the practices Go ahead. Um, what are we trying to work with if it's not knowledge it is knowledge it's just that it's not knowledge in that shows up as understanding something if you understand something then you've concluded something and you know something about something and it's relative truth. I don't care how polished, how shiny it is. The, the, base, the fundamental teaching here in the Mahayana is everything is empty of your ideas, your conjecture, your opinions of it, including your ideas of me, your ideas of each other, your ideas of the last time you had a nightmare, your ideas about the coronavirus, your ideas about the entire political construct that's going on. I refer you to the Peloponnesian Wars. You know what I'm saying. I'm being a little silly, but on the other hand, this has been going on forever. There have been, what do they say uh, in the Christian tradition? Wars and rumors of wars. Pretty well said. There's just going to be a constant struggle going on. It may look really good. They might get things passed that work, that cause people for a while to settle down and get along for a decade or two, and then it starts to erupt again. And then people, other people come into this realm, the human realm, out of other realms. Who you are is, is, uh, is discontinuous from the point of experience, but is uh, continuous from the point of view of reality. The very word tantra means continuity. The very word uh, sutra means uh, um, stitches, sutures. Everything is hooked together, but it's not hooked together because if you see what it is, there's no th separate things to hook together. It is a realization. It is something you understand and you understand it so completely, you don't care if anything else happens again because why? There isn't anything else. Everything that happens is perfect. I had somebody just ask me, uh, I think it was three, two thirty, no, four thirty in the morning. I got a question from somebody, a very simple, straightforward question. Uh, about a situation that was very subjective. And my response was, uh, uh, that it's perfect. I think it was a little later. I think it was 5.30 when I answered it. So it didn't wake me up particularly. So Shikantaza, so reflect on it for a minute. I'm going to act this out a little bit. You're, here you are, whatever your dynamic, your life, your friends, your relationship, your karma, the terrible thing that happened to you from what your brother did when you were 10 or how you were treated. And I have all kinds of stories, I'm sure you do, about your life and who you are and what your name is and and what your abilities are and how, you, and you, how you're really good at calculating this but not so good at doing this or whatever. You have all of this. Imagine with me here, you have all of this and you sit down 
you hold completely still and you do this for long periods of time and you continue to watch or to observe or to receive that which keeps moving, which is the, the mind will keep tumbling and tumbling and tumbling. You don't have to fix it. You don't have to correct it. You don't have to be somebody else. You don't have to get better. Seems to be necessary to see that so that with your particular karma, whatever is happening with you, uh, the, the leading edge of your particular favorite uh, uh, delusion or affliction, which could be any number of combinations. I think I read off a list the other day of uh, in the uh, Sutta Napata, the Buddha goes down a big long list of things that you should give up on. Different way of teaching it. I always say, I say you don't have to give up on anything. You just have to see it and it'll, it'll just, it, it maintains its, its grip through being ignored, through being objected to, or through being uh, validated, or this is happening because of this, or because they did this. If you're having any emotion happen in your mind stream yesterday, last week, tomorrow, in the middle of this talk, uh, this is not caused by anything else. If you think someone else is causing how you feel, you have work to do. And you may have a lot of work to do. I'm not talking about a couple of years. A lot of work. And that means that you're meditating every day regularly and you're spending some time doing some retreat practice or uh, doing block sitting. I mean, take this seriously or, or, uh, or don't take it seriously. You can also do it on the outskirts of town. I stop out there every now and then in my old Chevy pickup. You're not separate from the 13th century. If you think you are, keep working on it. Time is, is something that is a construct that we bring about that convinces us that we're somebody, a living being, going through something that's called time and space. You can see this. You can see this. You can sit down every day and train your mind to watch what's moving because what is moving is the very nature of confusion. So shikantaza is, is kind of the ideal thing. I'm not saying that people who teach uh, shamatha vipassana or uh, uh, mindfulness awareness practices, that those people should do whatever they're doing and they have their students that, that, that they listen to me talk, they would you know, run away screaming or think, or sort of throw their hands up or whatever. Oh my gosh, I need to go back and study with uh, someone else. But imagine just for a moment, all the things that have been going on with you. Let's just take the last week of whatever's been happening in your mind stream of coming and going and uh, I'm getting somewhere. Now I'm not getting somewhere. Maybe I'm getting, am I getting somewhere? Is this, is this meditation working? Am I doing this right? I can tell you how to do it. Sit down and observe. If you add anything to what you're observing, this is confusion. If you take anything away or judge anything that is, uh, is uh, arising, this is confusion. And if you distract yourself from it, this is confusion. Ego does not want to do that. It wants to take a position on everything. I'm sure you've noticed, especially if you have an intense feeling come out of, uh, what do they call it, left field? 
Let's see, I think the left is that way. Comes out of left field. And you, you, we just, we're so arrogant. We're so arrogant that we think we, if, if we're having an emotion, it must be caused by something. Have you noticed? I'm not saying it's not caused by something. But to think that you can figure this out, you can't. But what may happen is the self-centered mind, the ego mind, the narcissistic mind, the me, 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 me and my stuff, me and my ideas mind, that will settle for something that is within your periphery, another person, an event, because it's close by. It just happened, so you get to blame that. And I'm not saying that it didn't possibly trigger it. Quite often, other people trigger emotions that uh, we've been burying lifetime after lifetime. You know who you are, or perhaps you don't. That's why you're here. That's why you're listening to me. I say, don't believe a word I say, but consider what I'm saying. Consider it. Shoto Bowing. Yes. Can we use those triggers to investigate our positions? Always. As soon as someone says or does something that causes a, a, a triggers or some kind of an emotion that comes up, just receive. Just receive. And if you can, don't blame. But if you do blame, then just receive that you're blaming. And keep it as simple as possible. And pretty difficult to keep it as simple as possible. Uh, or unless you're practicing, the way I teach it is just precisely this. And that, if you're doing that, then over time, uh, you get very, you could say, good or adept or uh Precise at being precise. You actually watch what's moving with no idea about what it is, where it's going, uh, what it's called, what it points to. It's just that. It's just that emotion, just that thought. And it may be triggered by something, uh, someone or something in your environment. It's a, This is a do-it-yourself project with the encouragement of someone who has spent some time studying this. Namely, this old lady. Hakaran Bowing, is it possible that we might never leave Shikantaza? Never what? Off the cushion? Never what? Never leave Shikantaza. Yeah. 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 Once you realize that that's all there is, then there isn't anything else. Sometimes people will ask me, well, how much do you meditate? Shokazan, and I, and I say, uh, kind of puffing up a little bit, I say, I never stop meditating. Or I might say, depending on who it is that asks me that, I say, I'm not, I'm not going to meditate. I hate to meditate. I stopped that years ago. I just teach it now. No position. You may meditate, you may not meditate. The boundary between meditation and post-meditation vanishes unless you continue to set it up with your opinions, your ideas, your judgments, and your divisiveness. I'm only, I'm only, I, I'm, I can only teach as good as my students. So come and get me. Drag it out of me. So Kazan Hakaran Valley. Uh, how did the 
how did the Buddha talk about tranquility? He talked about it a lot. How does that relate to what you're talking about? He was meeting people, the society and everything where it was at at that time. So if you read, if you, if you go and you read his teachings uh, to any extent, which we, we assume these are his teachings, they're a hundred years and sometimes more after he actually said something. So somebody had to remember something just like with other uh, spiritual guides or teachers. Uh, so he seemed to be, if you read something where there's uh, the Majima Nikaya, the Sa uh, Sanmura Nikaya, Diga Nikaya, or the, uh, the other one I just mentioned uh, a little bit uh, ago was, uh, um, uh, what's the name of the, the um, do you remember? Sutta Nipata. Uh, that one's full of anecdotal stories about, we don't know if it's the attribution is actually the Buddha, could be, but very interesting. And it could be 15 different people all talking about the same thing in different ways. So there's all kinds of ways of, of talking about about just, you know, the uh, the Metta Sutta, which is actually in the Sutta Nipata. The Metta Sutta is just about being, uh, we, this is something we read uh, at the, uh, when we do marriage ceremony, something if we, uh, I think we sometimes do it at funerals and sometimes it's, uh, people just like to read it because it's a, uh, even in, in translation, it's a very genu genuine way of expressing uh, kindness. So the metta sutta, kindness sutta. So the Buddha made, the Buddha is talking to who he, who showed up in front of him. And any, as any teacher does, as Pema Chodron does, as His Holiness Dalai Lama, His Holiness the 17th Karmapa, uh, and, and <clears throat> all the other teachers, even teachers in the Advaita uh, lineages, uh, Chan Buddhism, Zen Buddhism, uh, Theravadan Buddhism, uh, the translations we read of Bhikkhu Bodhi's work, who is a Theravadan monk. So all showing up in different ways. Uh, very similar to this situation. My practice over the last quite number of years from two different teachers, two different uh, starting out in Zen and then going into uh, Tibetan forms and doing those extensively and then and meeting Coben and coming back into Zen forms and looking at those and being feeling kind of lost and until when I say it felt kind of lost until something, someone stopped fighting with everything. And that's why I often say, don't go to war with anything. Don't go to war with war. And one of the ways you can go to war with war is try to be peaceful. That's a misunderstanding. A big one. If you're listening to me, you need to hear it. If you're not listening to me, then you won't hear it. No polarity. And how do you do that? You have to look at the polarity. And you look at the polarity in your mind. Don't, don't fight with anything. Don't, don't do any, whatever's showing up in the mind, uh, no matter how difficult or ragged or rough it is or, or emotional it is, you do nothing with it. Uh, you could even take the attitude if you want to, if you're, if you, especially if you receive these precepts to save all beings, you could, you could receive that negativity on behalf of the world that is trying to shut it out. 
just like others cannot receive this, these difficult feelings that I'm having on behalf of those who cannot do this, I'm going to take it. I'm going to receive this. I'm going to just feel this. Save all beings. Start now. A lot of work ahead of you. Further questions are good. Go ahead, please. Katie Bowling, um, regarding the feeling lost, I'm finding the more I go on, the more lost I'm feeling. Does that go away? Am I doing this wrong? No. Feeling lost, uh, feeling feeling found is a is a, a grasping situation. So feeling lost is a uh, it addresses more the tendency for one self-centered identity to try to cling or have a reference points or have a credential or have uh, everything, even friends. You're, you're, if you're if you're a uh, student of the Buddha's Dharma, uh, and so far as you can. Your friends should be other. Should be sangha. It even says uh, in the. I was just reading in the the Blue Annals, which is a history of Tibet, uh, Tibetan uh, uh, practice uh, written by. It's a translation by George Rorick, and I can't remember the fourteenth, uh, fifteenth century Lama who wrote it. But anyway, it's a, there was a time when a when a bodhisattva couldn't even hang out with a shravaka more than seven days. There was actually a rule he couldn't do that. This was in India, and this was in the what ninth or tenth century. It's odd how things change like that. So the bodhisattva couldn't uh, couldn't hang out with somebody who hadn't received the bodhisattva vow for more than seven days. Imagine all the other rules and precepts and laws and things. If you read, uh, if you read, um, well, as we were talking about the Sutta Nipata, which I couldn't remember the title of it, but if you read that, every one of those. Suttas in there is like going different directions about the same thing. So being lost, uh, make that part of your awareness practice. How does that feel? What? Who is it that's lost? Is there someone lost? Is there a being, a, uh, a solid being? The five skandhas, form, feeling, perception, concept, consciousness. Does that come together as a lump of somebody who uh, feels lost? And then notice the duration of that. Notice of that. If you just observe that feeling of loss, does it get stronger? Does it get weaker? Does it does it do something relative to your viewing of it or receiving it? Or does, if you receive it, does it just keep supplying you with more and more loss, 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 loss? So lost. If you're doing that, you're probably uh, probably probably uh, explaining the lost feeling rather than receiving it. I'm not accusing you of anything, Katie. I'm just saying that if you can, if you say you feel lost, then there is some kind of imputation where you've left the feeling of being lost for the one who is lost. It's a very simple form of duality that captures uh, most of us, and sometimes for long periods of time. Praise and blame does that too. We're, if we're if we're, we're praised for something we're really good at, we cling to that. Or if we're blamed for something we're not so good at, which we may be doing to ourselves, we cling to that as an, as an identity. I just can't seem to get this. I just, no matter how much I practice, I still am just flooded with negative feelings and so on. Conclusion. Con conclude nothing. And if you do, if you tend to spontaneously conclude this and conclude this, then just watch that. That's the path. This is the path of the Bodhisattva. 
this is the this is the path of Benny, uh, and where you're at on the path is the uh, path of someone who's searching. That that's your landscape is what that is, and if your your landscape uh, continues to be a landscape as long as you don't grasp or reject or shut down, then everything continues to go, and you actually watch your karma moving towards you as a living being. We all have a lot of karma to deal with. Michael Bowie. I have the feeling that I'm more in control that seems to be the polar opposite of being lost. Is 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 the idea of being in control any more real than the idea of being lost? I can help. I can help you if you listen. If you're you're listening, and both of you, I can talk to you. I can answer both questions at the same time. Those two are not two separate things. Found or control, and lost, no control. It's it's the very nature of duality. It's the very it's the very idea that reifies life and death, success and failure, war and peace. All the polarities are sub, are, are subsumed under those feels of lost. That's uh, self, someone who's lost. I'm in control. Uh, that's someone who is. That's the other end of the uh, spectrum. But those two situations are not separate from each other. Lost and found, control and out of control. It's, you know, it's, uh, um, <laughs> it's pointed out in different ways in the sutras. If you read uh, the Song of the Jewel Mirror Samadhi, or if you read uh, the Sin Sin Ming, you read a lot, especially the Japanese and Chinese uh, monk poets were very good at bringing words together. And then other people were very good at translating them, especially Red Pine. Taking these words and saying, uh, you know, it's like uh, uh, Nishikai's name, Two Arrows Meet. You know, I, I just talked to Nishikai for a couple of minutes. And I said, it's got to be two arrows meet. Can't be one arrow because he doesn't know where he's going. And one arrow knows where they're going. So if you've received a Dharma name from me, you should contemplate that Dharma name. <laughs> because I'm, I'm pointing. Well, you actually pointed to it. And then I just saw what you were pointing at. And then I wrote it down. That was your name. I already have Wendy's name. I just came up with her name the other day, but I haven't written it on her Roxu yet because I don't know how to spell what showed up. I mean, in Chinese, yeah, <laughs> or Japanese. Maybe I'll do it in Sanskrit. That would be special. Bowing, still yes. regarding the feeling lost, where I'm, where I'm experiencing that the most intensely is out in the world, like job and other responsibilities. Yeah. When people expect a lot of me, sure, and make a lot of demands, whether they're reasonable or not. And um, he, yeah. my reaction is complete confusion and not really knowing my role or how mm -hmm. to navigate it all and still be true to myself. So, so watch that being. Uh, that that you just made a comment be true to myself forget that okay that's just that's just a, a, I'm, you're talking about it you're giving me permission to tell you true to yourself please don't do that 
that's a that's a that's a, a, that's a not only a time sink, but that's an energy sink that will take your energy trying to be true to yourself. And there isn't one. And even the idea of truth is a relative uh, situation and it until it becomes ultimate until one sees it as ultimate. So don't don't worry too much about getting yourself uh, this way or that way or be true to yourself. What should you worry about? You shouldn't worry about anything to start with, but but receive. Sit down, practice receiving by watching your thoughts come and go, your emotions when you're facing the wall. And when you go into your environment, receive the environment, receive the criticism from people. I'm not saying you shouldn't argue with them or say, well, I don't think that's true, or I think I'm doing a good job. You should do that, but but you have to really receive it, but don't lay on yourself the, the trip of uh, being true to yourself. That would just... Uh, that's just a highly polished form of uh, narcissism. <laughs> Accusing you of nothing, particularly. I'm just saying that when you say that, that, that tells me that there's some kind of energy is going into protecting yourself rather than receiving. Protecting, I have to be true to myself. Everybody's doing that in some way, but not everybody will come out, will spit it out like you just did so I can nail you. So in my situation, I'm regularly being faced with attorneys and judges who demand the pretense of clarity. There's no room for not knowing. How do you recommend we work with people demanding that we pretend to know? Go ahead, go ahead and do it. I mean, you're, 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 you broke up. Can you repeat that, please? I can. I can. Anybody remember what I said? Yeah, go ahead and do it. Just uh, do meet it where it's at. Sometimes meeting things where it's at might feel uh, disingenuous, like kind of like Katie saying, I'm going to be true to myself. Don't worry about yourself. Don't worry about how you feel, uh, how you appear. I mean, if you're worried, how you, how, if you're worried about how you appear, then uh, then it just I don't even know if I can help you with that. Particularly uh, other than say, go sit, go, go into retreat, go sit and do a couple of uh, block sets back to back and then go back into that situation so that you don't go into it with some kind of knowing about everything. We tend to proceed uh, talking to somebody by things we know. We try to protect ourselves ahead of time. And, you know, one of the things you could do there is you could ask for help from the person that seems to be kind of persecuting you a little bit. You could turn the tables on them and say, it seems like you're pretty clear. I mean, you would have to come up with your own way of saying it. it seems like you have a lot of clarity around this and I'm having a rough time with that. Could you help me with that a little bit? Uh, very rare that somebody who is uh, full of themselves, like judges and lawyers and people like that, generally speaking, not all of them, but generally speaking, wouldn't be ready to help you if you ask. And if you if you turn it around, because a lot of it is they pick up on you're trying to present yourself or trying to be somebody. And uh, might might be good to be more of a student in that environment as much as possible. I think you'd find that people really want to help you, but they, but your particular style, since you're asking me the question, uh, you're, and this is not a compliment, uh, it's a description, but you're really intelligent. You're probably in more intelligent than the people that you're dealing with. And that shows up. They don't like it. So slow down, meet the person where they're at, which is in their idea of who they are. I'm the judge. I'm the lawyer. I'm the teacher. I meet them there. Don't meet them as someone who who's kind of competing with them. Just a suggestion. We have plenty of time to be a smarty pants later. Thank you. You're welcome.
<laughs> Thank you for the question. Yes. Um, Coach, or, um, Katie asked about the phrase, be true to yourself. Yes. She mentioned that. And you sometimes quote Trungpa and say, be genuine. So what's the difference between being true to yourself and being genuine? Being genuine is actually functioning with the neurosis you're trying to get rid of, which you have trouble doing specifically. And Katie wasn't asking about that. She was making a statement. How can I do this and be true to myself? Uh, she didn't ask about that so much. So therefore, I, since she's asking, I felt like I could go in and um, derail that a little bit. Don't be too preoccupied. But when you, being genuine just means stop trying to get away from your neurosis and polish it up or be uh, an extra special enlightening person. If you feel better than anybody, if you feel superior than, any, than anyone or ahead of anyone, um, this is the very nature of narcissism, is to feel above anybody. This doesn't mean you have to go the other way and be all sheepish and have your head hanging down and uh, stumble along. But you could be really aware of the whole identity project that's going on. When you meet people, notice how you're, notice the prejudice against others based on anything, not just skin color, but based on anything, height, sex, um, intelligence level, speech patterns. We're, all, we're always trying to separate ourselves from others so we get a little bit of identity out of every encounter we have. Notice that. And wh what do you do with it? Don't fix it. Don't improve. Don't try to not be full of yourself because that goes, takes it to the other end. It's just a teeter totter. I'm doing really well. And now I saw how full of myself I was. So now I'm going to be more humble. It's only about observing it. You can see it. If you have a close relationship with your spouse or your next door neighbor or whomever it is, or your uh, Dharma brother or sister, you'll, you'll notice that, that that situation can get, get polarized really easily then we can be really upset with someone who really has not done anything to us at all. Not even particularly, particularly triggered anything. But just notice, B, if you have a strong sitting practice, uh, you may tend to feel um, uh, less sure of, your, of yourself, more lost, like Katie is talking about. And I'm, I'm saying of the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. This is about the basic uh, misunderstanding in this spiritual path is a mistaken identity. So the feeling of being lost, I'm not saying try to be lost. I'm just saying, don't cover that up too. Don't, don't make friends uh, with some kind of reference point too quick. You want a reference point? Try, out, try the wall. Not much is happening there. But we tend to project things onto it that probably need to be seen. Bowing. Yes. Is there a way to um, consider or think about self-worth without an identity? The, the self-worth is just, uh, you know, everyone's worth something. Everybody's valuable. So to say it that way, start out with that. 
And then there's all kinds of levels of that situation. But I wouldn't spend too much time going with self-worth. I mean, if, if, if I did that, I'd have to just be really upset with myself for never getting a degree. I mean, I'm obviously really, really smart. But I don't have a credential. Don't I need a credential to so people will believe me or do what I say or give me some, or feel that I have some, what they have a lot of, self-worth? Self-worth is, I'm not interested in self-worth. I'm not interested in that. I, I, what I am interested in is be genuine. Actually embody and be the, the garbage heap you're trying to get rid of. I'm not saying you're a garbage heap. I'm saying there's negativity. You wouldn't be here. You would not be listening to uh, an old man uh, in a funny suit talking if you felt like you knew what to do with your life and everything's going fine. You know, you wouldn't be talking to listening to somebody who is coming from a tradition that's thousands of years old. That is a what spiritual path. I'm saying get rid of nothing, but look at everything. Look at everything. Don't approve of it. Don't disapprove approve, and don't distract yourself or turn away. And the path will be seeing how much you do all three of those in different ways. And that way you'll find out what your favorite uh, affliction is. And if you see it, then at some point in your practice, you will begin to, it, it kind of turns on its own. You don't have to necessarily look back and say, is there anyone feeling this? Is there anyone thinking this? You could do some of that. Atma Vichara, as Ramana Maharshi taught in the early part of the last century, to look self-inquiry. Who is it? Who is having this experience? Who is having these feelings? To go into the identity part, because make mistaken identity here and mistaken identity out there is uh, the, the very nature of confusion and war and samsara and the constant churning of uh, the six realms. And if you see it, if you see there isn't anyone, then things may still happen. They will because there's still karma. You still, you still were embodied. You still were. You were still born. You're still a human being here, but you're not separate from anything. You're not separate from any other being, no matter how horrible and evil, and no, no matter how holy and uh, elevated. Not separate, but it has to be realized. It can't be just a, a thought pattern about it. Thought patterns about it might come up for someone who's teaching that, but the actual situation, not much to think about. It's just true. Michael Bowie. Sir. Is it necessary to simplify in order to observe? Well, that's the whole idea. Well, thank you. The whole idea of Shikantaza is simple. So you sit down, you hold still, it's simple. You just, you already have your eye, ears, eyes, ears, nose, tongue, body. You all already have all the receptors. Sit down and receive, receive. As Dogen said in the 13th century, when you go out towards the world with your ideas and your uh, preferences and you're pushing, you're pulling and your judgments, your ideas and your evaluations of this, that, and everything, this is the very nature of delusion. It's not that you don't have to go out and uh, get some food. You have to do some of that. But that's situational. And so what he was, is basically saying, you go out towards the world, this is delusion. But when the world just comes to you, this is awakening. 
this is why you sit down and do shikantaza. Why you sit down and you sit in a symmetrical position. Very simple. Can't be simpler. It tends to get very complicated the more you do it because your ability to receive the world gets more, shall we say, sophisticated. In other words, you're, there's a lot less pushing against what's coming towards you. There's a lot less agreeing with what's coming towards you. And there's a lot less shutting off or ignoring or distracting yourself from what's coming towards you. So you uh, and the ego mind over time uh, gets threatened by this and it will try to get a credential out of how meditative you are. It'll try to get a credential out of, well, now I'm a monk or now I have a, a Buddhist name or something. It's not that you shouldn't do that or have that or you shouldn't do sitting meditation and you shouldn't have thought patterns like that. It's about being aware of them. It's always about awareness, as I've said 50 times now, probably. It's about it's about it's about the space in which things occur and not just the space. It is about the space. There's a recorder. Here's a coffee cup. Here's a wooden stick. So and there's a person and there's other people. Phenomena, stuff, things, apparent things arising in apparent space, simply put. So simplify, sit down, hold still, just observe. Now, you may do other things. Uh, you may study astrology. You may study the I Ching. You may study tarot cards. You may study uh, Enneagrams. You may study You may study uh, a philosophy or psychology or, or uh, moral inventory or... Um, um, I mean, all the different kinds of psychologies that are out there these days. There's a couple hundred of them, I think, just in uh, Wikipedia. Not wrong. You do, do whatever you like. But it would be a really good idea to hold still, as uh, Michael was asking about, and keep it very simple and very direct. Just watch. So sit in front of a wall, face a tree. You could actually look down at the carpeting in front of you or the linoleum, whatever you have in your, in your kitchenette. And just observe, just receive, smell, taste, touch, hearing, seeing, smelling, thought patterns coming and going, phenomena coming and going, coming and going. And eventually, oh, go ahead, Wendy. Wendy? Do we need to understand people to meet them where they're at? No. Um, it's even worse if you understand them. It's even harder because then you then you think you know who they are and they don't even know who they are. So, no, you don't have to understand them. If you're on receive, then you're, you're on receive, then you're not going to have a feeling that you know. You might, somebody that you've known for 20 years, if you really start to receive that person, you will know less about them uh, as far as information or ideas and so on. Because just the receiving, it's like, just receive, just receive weather. You don't know anything about the weather. You just receive the weather. And it didn't, doesn't mean that to some people, there isn't some kind of sta stability based on personality, based on the particular passion, aggression, and ignorance that's operating in that particular individual. That will show up, but it'll be kind of secondary because nothing lasts. So even there, maybe they have a lot of frustration they're having difficulty with their job. You'll just notice that that's happening. But who they fundamentally are uh, is what we're, uh, what is being um, encouraged to meet people where they're at. If you're meeting someone where they're at, you will have less understanding in the conventional sense of who they are and more 
uh, more, um, I hesitate to use this word, but I'm going to anyway, because nothing else is coming up, but more, more consideration for them. More, you could use the fancy word compassion, a, a more deep understanding of the, their dilemma and what they're going through. Especially if you're, if you've, you finally, after all this time, not just you, but anybody of judging somebody and evaluating them and even coming to relative conclusions that are pretty accurate, probably could have five people all that knew that person agree. Yeah, that person is this and this and this. But you, if you're coming to conclusions about anyone, you may, the ego mind may feel, you may feel like you know more about them, but you're, but the actual uh, compassion uh, that comes out of wisdom uh, will be uh, modified or, or or interfered with. It just will get shut down in the relative sense. More, Wendy? Wendy Browning, is it necessary to be able to see things from another's point of view in order to make them where at? No. Look at your point of view and notice that you have a point of view. Notice your point of view. Be aware if you're if you if you've met this person where you're at and you see that your points of view come and go, then no matter who you meet, you're always meeting yourself. It's not you, is it's not Wendy, or it's not Sogazan, or it's not Shoka, but but you're always meeting an aversion, a version. Of yourself because fundamentally things are not separate they just look like they are and it's and the illusion this is why it's called an illusion we actually assume that we are a person living a particular life a little bit so to meet someone where they're at you would just be at their service you might you might ask them questions you might not you might just wait if, if they're if they're used to having you act in a different way, they may be upset by you not acting. Quite often in, in marriages, if if one of the people in the marriage situation, not just not not talking about you necessarily, but one of the people that in a relationship has been operating a certain way, one of the people just they just start stop participating in the in the the uh, confusion. It doesn't mean there isn't still confusion there. They're they're no longer trying to fix the confusion. They're no longer accusing that person or themselves of perpetuating anything. They're just receiving what that is, and it may be pretty distasteful. But by doing that, everything starts to slow down, and one's uh, the clarity around the situation seems to be uh, free or released so that we can see more deeply, not ideas, opinions, judgments, evaluations, conclusions about anything, just more deeply into what this fundamentally is, which is my simple way of putting it. It's not separate. It looks looks separate, but it's not. And as I often say, don't believe a word I say. You find out. And I think you can do that. There's no guarantee, but by just sit down, hold still, face the wall, watch what continues to come and go and come and go without don't saddle up any horses. Let them all just come and go. Don't ride anything out of town. Don't chase any rabbits. Don't do anything. Just observe. Is on bowing. Yes. 
you said that if you um, think you understand somebody, like Wendy was asking, do you need to understand someone's point of view to meet them where they're at? And just to come back to this, um, when people use astrology to explain to me who I am, um, if that's not what astrology is for, what what is that modality used for? Bowing? It's for having fun. That's what I use it for. And I've been studying it since the mid-60s. But I, I learned, understood, uh, it dawned on me many, many years ago that this is not the solution to life. It's just more, more, it's circularity. I mean, it's even, even the very nature of it is circles. You know, the planets going around the sun, it's kind of a cosmic joke. It's just that sometimes when it's in an earth sign or when it's in a fire sign or when, the, when there's a 90 degree angle between two planets in a particular time, that certain kinds of energies may show up. But even if you know all this, and there have a few people who have studied astrology a lot, especially uh, Sokoen, you know, it's interesting. It's fascinating material because it, it's showing you over and over again archetype, archetypal energy, uh, fire, earth, water, air, uh, pushing on something, uh, uh, stabilizing something, alternating something. There's all kinds of, all the energies are covered in those archetypes. It's fascinating material. But you will, you cannot attain enlightenment by studying astrology. Just like you can't attain enlightenment uh, by uh, trying to attain enlightenment. Isn't the illusion of astrology that we believe that it's somehow it's permanent and that it does describe us permanently in some way when the illusion is that it is permanent? What is your question? It's a little vague to me. What is your question? My question is, isn't the illusion that we believe things are permanent? Yeah. So how does Shikantaza pertain to this idea of that we have permanency? Well, if you practice Shikantaza, you'll see that nothing lasts. The very teach, first teaching of the Buddha, one of them is the three marks of existence. Um, nothing lasts or impermanence. Nothing, anything that shows up is going away, including astrology, including this body-mind complex. We might have some kind of duration, but not a lot. And it's slowly decomposing and going back. But who you are uh, doesn't do anything. Your, your actual identity doesn't come and doesn't go. It just rides on, the, on the, that uh, Mobius strip called a human life. Just looks real, feels real, smells real. Smells like other, looks like other, 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 other polarity. Me and that. And so this is why uh, if you look into the I Ching or if you look into the tarot cards or anything that has any kind of cyclic movement to it that has to do with the various archetypes that are kind of built into the situation, it's interesting. It's fascinating material to look at. But it's not necessarily going to um, get you somewhere. So like to respond to Chazon, you know, when people bring that up, just enjoy it. Enjoy. Say, tell me more. Say, could I win the lottery? 
And the person will immediately go to the fifth house and look at your aspects to Neptune and what rule your fifth house caused. And, and they'll say, probably not. And then they might say, I don't know which casino you're going to. I didn't say casino. I said lottery. Listen up, man. You know, see what I'm saying? You can get all you can get all involved in all kinds of things about, you know.
I mean, you, you just receive the sound comes through the window and and you just receive what it what it is, and then I get a hold of Ondo to find out what bird it was. Maria Bowling. Yes. Is receiving um, diminished as a separation between the person who is in front of me and myself? Does the does receiving diminish the diminish the separation between? Yeah, it, it, in a relative sense, you could say that it, it would, but you may not have an experience of it diminishing it because uh, your own self-centeredness might be freaked out because of the, the your losing reference point. And so therefore, uh, as far as the path, it's, it's working okay, but as far as how you feel about it, you might suck. That's why I was saying to... Uh, Katie, earlier, just uh, that feeling of being lost, we'll cover that up. You could continue to look at it. And if you continue to look at anything you continue to look at, you're not pushing it away. You're not making excuses for it. You're doing nothing with it, not ignoring it. It won't last. It can't last. It gets its stability from being pushed or pulled or shut down. On. You get the three poisons are operating there. You use the word devil today. Um, I'm just wondering what do you mean, what do you mean by devil? Oh, uh, devil? Like a really, uh, someone who ha has is so flooded with negative energy that they feel somehow empowered to, you know, be negative. It shows up in all kinds of things. It shows up in music, it shows up in the arts, it shows up in uh, politics, uh, it shows up all of it shows up in a spiritual path. So it's just a, it's just a strong personification of, of neg negativity. There, there really, there really are no devils from, from the ultimate point of view. That's, that's just a misunderstanding. It's just a way of talking about neg about energy that, that is, uh, uh, that there's a lot of, uh, aggression or a lot of conflict going on. The Tibetans have a whole, uh, panoply of, uh, negative uh but they've they've enlisted those negativities to protect the dharma so it's just another way of talking about it it's just like in your own mind if you're if you're uh, um if you're doing fine you're you know you're doing your laundry or something and then you just feel overwhelmed by some kind of negativity that seems to be uh, coming through the walls or something you don't know the causes and conditions that bring up any person's emotions or feelings or anything are, are just, they're just un, untraceable. And it, and it is a, I would say that it is a, a waste of time. When I say waste, it's I'm just, it's a way of talking about it. You can't really waste time, but it, it's kind of like we tend to go in, into that energetically and try to figure it out or stop it or do something with it because it doesn't feel so good. But through mind training, through sitting down and practicing over a long period of time, and I mean a long period of time, when negativity comes up, uh, the negativity eventually will come up and it won't be able to find somebody that's having the experience. It won't have an identity. The experience will be there. It's called rangjung, self-existing. The energy is there. It just shows up. It just shows up. You feel it. It hurts. 
It sucks, but there's nobody feeling that. I highly recommend that. But it's like telling somebody about the top of a mountain and, and they're not sure if they want to climb that mountain or not. But you can do it. If you're listening to me, if, if this, uh, this old guy can do this, can under have some understanding about this, that I can even sit here in front of uh, people and, and tell you about it, encourage you, find out who you are. Don't follow me anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. Not interested. Don't need followers. Don't need any kind of worshiping or adoration. That's more about you, not about me. I'm out of here. I mean, it doesn't look like it yet, but I'm gone. <laughs> I left a long time ago. When I say I left, no, I didn't go anywhere, but there wasn't anyone, and, and there's no one to go anywhere. Please ask me questions. If you don't understand, ask me. Go ahead, please. Chiso. Chiso. Yeah, going back to the previous question, extending from Mendes. Uh, so I, I think I understand uh, what you're suggesting. It seems to be receive, but while being aware that you cannot receive completely or you cannot perfectly receive is the way kind of I understood so there seems to be two things, receiving and being aware at the same time. Do mm. they occur simultaneously? One precedes the other? Does it Same time. Same time. Same time. The, the separation is a good question. They happen at the same time. And you and the, the difficulty for the self-centered mind, the ego mind, is that one, it doesn't like that when two things that are different start to happen at the same time because it, it loses its reference point on something else. But yes, you just just receive it, it's, and it's it's not easy, because it's not an accomplishment. It's just seeing what is already the case. It's already the case, as as sometimes said, uh, you're not separate from the Buddha. You're already awake. Already. Michael Byron. Yes. Is receiving outside of time or our concept of time? I don't know. Maybe. Unya just pointed to her wrist. I think she wants to have carpal tunnel operation. <laughs> you have interviews. Oh, I have interviews. Okay. Very good. So I will, I'm going to give another talk this afternoon. At three. So yes, I'll talk uh, this afternoon at three, if you would like to join. And uh, I'll, I'll probably stay right on this in the same area, somewhat, maybe talk number two or something. Ask questions, please. Thank you. Thank you. Certainly. Thank you. Thank you, Sokazan. And we'll be back for meditation.